This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. A new documentary coming out next year takes a look at the problems of too much consumption of the Earth's resources by people around the planet. The film looks at a variety of problems, everything from the species of fish that we catch for food, as well as the size of the fish, to uh, the size of the fish shrinking, to problems with water scarcity in parts of the world, even in the Midwest of the U.S., to food scarcity we may have on the planet in the future. The film is called Eight Billion Angels. Terry Spar is the executive producer of the film. He joins me here in studio. Travis Reeder is a bioethicist at Johns Hopkins University, who is one of the people that is involved in the film, and it's great to have them both with us. Terry, good to see you. Great to be here, Dan. Thank you very much. Travis, great to have you with us on the phone. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And I should let the listeners know that uh, Terry and I go way, way back to our days in high school together, and when I saw this this film that you were putting together, I was very intrigued to have you on the show. So I guess let's start there. Where did the idea from of doing this film come from? Uh, I would uh, when I was a child, Dan. We used to go up to Maine, and uh, uh, every year we'd go visit these uh, bald eagles. And uh, one summer, I think it was in 1974, I was about eight years old, and the uh, eagles were not there. And I asked my father, and uh, he said, uh, "It's a DDT, Dad, uh, son." And I said, uh, "Well, what is that?" And he walked me through what DDT did to the environment and why we used it as, as, as uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, humans and. Uh, uh, it, it's it sort of left an impression in my mind because the bald eagle populations had gotten down to and dwindled to about 247 nesting pairs across all of North America. And, you know, over the many years, I've seen, uh, you know, numerous things that we're doing as humans to the environment, and it's based on our human activity and our numbers. And I just uh, see the signs everywhere, and it's it's led me to where I am today, which is producing this film. So the idea of doing this as a film, and you were in various uh, other industries for a while, including real estate, but the shift, you know, for you personally, this was something that, that grabbed you, and you wanted to do a project like this to really highlight some of the issues that are out there right now. Yeah, to me, again, the signs, and, and Travis will talk about this too, that the signs are everywhere, and it's very, very concerning what what what's transformed in, in literally like the last 50 years. And so, you know, we delve deeply into the film. We interview some very interesting people in the film and also some everyday common folks, too, who are struggling with what's happening. Travis? Uh, yeah, so I, you know, it's really kind of um, prescient that the interview is today because I was just reading yesterday uh, an article that came out about uh, the state of the Arctic and how we basically, you know, transformed the Arctic forever. We, we passed the point of no return, and it's... Uh, it's a slow runaway at this point. And so, yeah, you know, talk about looking around and seeing the signs everywhere. It, it used to be harder 10, 15, 20 years ago um, to be someone who was concerned about the environment, about climate change, about overpopulation, about overconsumption, uh, because the signs were harder to see. You had to kind of look through a lot more noise in the models and in the world around you. But it's just not hard anymore. You know, the 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 earth is screaming out to us, you're doing something terrible to me, and um, it, you don't have to be super sensitive to hear that now. But it's interesting, in looking at some of the clips uh, of the film, of the early portions of the film, uh, you're quoted in there and looking at the fact that, you know, there are obviously issues with the planet, but really we're talking about the population. The people are the ones that, that are, are truly in jeopardy here, Travis. 
Yeah, that's right. So, you know, one of the things they quoted as saying in the film is, um, you know, people walk around saying save the earth or, you know, you go to a march and you have a sign saying save the planet. Um, and so I tell my students all the time, look, the planet doesn't need save. The planet is a, a hunk of rock with all sorts of interesting things going on. And it'll be here, you know, long after we are. Um, what we really mean when we say save the planet is save the planet for us. Right. Um, we're largely anthropocentrist, meaning we're, we're largely focused about the effect, focused on the effects uh, on humans. And so we look around at our children, you know, folks who are going to outlive us. And we think about their children, perhaps uh, folks who are really going to outlive us. And a lot of what we mean when we say save the planet is save the planet for future generations, save the planet for our children. And so when I say the earth is screaming out to us, you know, well, I'm probably problematically <laughs> anthropomorphizing anyway. But um, what it's really doing is it's giving us warning signs for us um, because the Earth is, is you know, the, the hunk of rock hurtling through space is going to keep doing its thing until the sun explodes, however many billions of years in the future. Right. Um, and, and so it's really about us and the harms to, to humans and then, of course, to animals and, and biodiversity. You, you, you also talk about, uh, in the clips that I saw, uh, about the populations and, and the numbers of people that we have on this planet, and we need to address that as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I think so. So this is a very contentious area. It's where I've, I've spent a lot of my um, scholarly hours in my career so far. And that is to say, um, look, we are really close to the point of no return on all sorts of dimensions. So I tend to focus on climate change because the problem is so, so urgent at this moment. Um, but also uh, land use and freshwater availability, um, you know, biodiversity loss. All of these things are really uh, urgent at the moment. And so we can try to consume less and we can try to kind of lighten our footprint on the planet. But at this point, with things as desperate as they are now, what we really need are fewer of those footprints all being lighter at the same time. And then maybe we have a shot, right? Maybe we have a shot at, at avoiding catastrophe if we have very, if we have even fewer people doing much, much less damage. Right. And and here's the challenge, Dan, is that if you look at uh, the sort of the equation, it's, you know, our impact is really a, a, a factor of the number of people on the planet and our consumption. And, you know, every study, every indication is that our consumption has only gone up year after year after year. Right. Our yep. GDP has per capita. So uh, it's very difficult to either voluntarily reduce our consumption uh, or uh, just, you know, it, it just, it's not, it's not, uh, it's, it just hasn't happened. So, you know, when you have to look at uh, where we are and what we're doing, mm -hmm. you know, we have to look at the population part of that equation and say, can we do this in a way that makes sense? It'll bring us back to a, you know, a, a sustainability. Which is interesting when you think of, of a couple of the, the stories that are out there. One, about the fact that here in the United States with the millennial generation, uh, you know, becoming more and more a, a controlling force in what the United States is. Uh, the fact that millennials were waiting longer to have children and whether or not that was going to in any way kind of slow down population growth here in the United States. I don't know if that necessarily the expectation is that, but also places over in Asia, you know, China as well, which put in basically caps for in terms of the numbers of children that families could have. Those are all pieces that obviously are good, but it seems like from looking at the film, we need to go way beyond that point, correct? Well, uh, you know, and, and Travis will echo this too. I, I, you know, I feel strongly that, that you cannot have any uh, coercive methods as far as uh, okay. adjusting the population. I think it really comes down to, you know, uh, spreading a culture of a small family ethic. And Travis actually wrote a great book on that. 
and uh, it's uh, it's about creating incentives for people to, and also from a moral obligation. Travis talks about that in his, in his book as well. Is you know how are we leaving this world? And is it a world we want to leave to our children? If we're going to have children, we have to really come to the thought process: Are we leaving a better world for them? And right. Do we want to introduce children to that environment? Travis. Yeah. So, you know, there are kind of two things you talk about there. So one is, do we need even more, you know, given that some of the wealthiest parts of the world are already having decreasing fertility? Um, and then some of the developing countries have actually implemented um, sometimes coercive policies, like in the case of China's uh, family planning policy. But then there's also what uh, Terry was starting to get to, which is, you know, if we do, how would we go about it? So I would absolutely agree. Um, coercion is off the table. Right. But to, to answer the first part of the question, you know, do we need more? I mean, the answer is just clearly yes. And so there are lots of pieces to consider. But the first one is, sure, in the developed or probably overdeveloped parts of the world like the U.S., um, fertility is going down, but it's also the case that we use the most, right? So I use this really striking example where uh, Niger, which has the highest fertility in the world right now, it's about 7.6 children per women. Um, they have lots of children on average, but they also use 0.08 metric tons of carbon annually per capita, right? So less than 0.1 metric ton annually. Well, in the U.S., we have, you know, two children per woman on average, um, but we also use, you know, between 15 and 20 mm -hmm. metric tons of carbon annually, right? So the difference is just massive. So every child that we don't have in the overdeveloped world has a much, much larger impact. So sure, there are parts of Africa that are looking to quadruple their population in the coming years if their fertility rate doesn't go down. And given that we think they ought to have access to more resources as a matter of justice, that will be a problem. But it's also a huge problem that we're having children at all in an overdeveloped economy where we're consuming so much. We are joined uh, in studio by Terry Spar, executive producer of the film Eight Billion Angels, which is coming out next year. Travis Reeder, who's a bioethicist at Johns Hopkins University. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to the phone, you can send us a comment on Twitter, and we'll bring it up the show that way, at bizradio111, B-I-Z, radio111, or my Twitter account, which is at danloney21. I, I guess the next question is, is we talk about you know the people under Understanding, but do the people that are running the governments understand these problems? And what role do you think that they need to play to help the help this understanding move along so that we can have the change necessary to have a great planet 75, 100 years down the line, Terry? Um, and again, Travis talks about this, too. But when you've got um, uh, government and politicians, uh, they want to appeal to their constituents and, 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 you know, they feel that growth is important. But, you know, there's a, there's a misconception that, uh, you know, when you look at total growth or total GDP, you know, that's completely different than per capita GDP or per capita growth. And yeah. you can still have quality. You can still have growth per uh, capita. You don't necessarily have to have total GDP. And a good example would be uh, Japan. You know, Japan has gone through a retraction in fertility. Uh, just by their own fact that it's a very uh, costly, uh, um, you know, a society to yeah. raise a child, and and they have dual incomes, a lot of people working long hours, so th they've actually seen a reduction in fertility, and they actually had a, a reduction in their population, and uh, uh, the economy over there in Japan is actually doing very well now, and uh, they're I think the Nikkei is at a, an all time high, and so you know I think there's a, a misconception, and I think Travis also probably would uh, uh, agree with that, Travis. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, what a lot of government officials actually focus on, but this, is, this isn't uniform, right? So there are government officials in countries with very high fertility who are acutely aware of the dangers of explosive populations, right? So that's what happened in China uh, after the Great Leap Forward. They're like, we are going to run out of food and fresh water. We have to do something. And they instituted the family planning policy. So there are governments who understand that. Um, but most governments right now are on the other side. They see fertility uh, decline as the major policy problem. And so China, in fact, you know, the reason they've relaxed their one-child policy, so-called one-child policy, is because they're worried about an aging population. Uh, Iran is the same way. So Iran yeah. had an incredibly successful non-coercive uh, fertility reduction policy that dropped their fertility from over five to under two. Um, but now they're desperately worried about, you know, an aging population. And so they're trying to incentivize larger families. Um, and we just heard, you know, a statement from Paul Ryan in our country about the need for babies uh, for the economy. Right. So that's really where the focus tends to be among politicians. Um, and the one place where I, I might just be uh, even more extreme than Terry's willing to be, I don't know, is, um, you know, the, the need for the economy to grow is perfectly understandable if you're an official, but there's also this brute fact, which is that, you know, a finite set of resources within a closed system mm -hmm. can't support an infinitely growing population. And so the thing that those people who are, you know, worried about lower fertility have right is you do have to stop growth eventually. And that the empirical question is just, how much do we get to extract from the earth before we have right. to stop? Well, I think you're right. You have to reflect now on uh, how to protect our economy while working toward a sustainable population. Because, right. you know, if you ignore the problem, uh, you know, nature will force it upon us. And it might be yeah. violent. It might be unexpected. Looking at the film and the clips that I saw, you uh, and the thing about it, which I found interesting, was the fact that you just you, you don't want to just focus on one part of the planet. You break it down and you look at the land and the sea and and all the aspects of this planet to really try and drive home the fact that there's not just one piece that is kind of driving the issue. This is this is an overarching problem on the on the globe itself. Right. There there are a multitude of symptoms, Dan and. Uh, you know, what you have to do is, and uh, I think it's very important, is you got to say, well, why? And you keep asking why. And if you really drill it all down, these are all downstream you know, symptoms of yeah. one upstream cause, which is significant human activity with significant numbers of people. And so, you know, I, I come from a management background. I come from a business background. And I said, okay, let's really look at this analytically and let's look at measuring, you know, what we can measure. And, and there are a number of organizations out there that are in that space of the Natural Capital Project, Global Footprint Network, that actually ma uh, measure, you know, uh, biodiversity. They measure Earth's assets. Mm -hmm. And they measure the consumption of each country uh, to the assets that they have. And they determine whether that country is one they call overshoot which is they're using more resources by their citizens than what their uh than what their land can sustain on a, on an annual basis as far as regenerative renewable you know resources you know uh you know plants animal life uh, fisheries those kinds of things and uh we uh, the world as a whole reached a tipping point around the early 70s most of these uh, you know organizations will let you know and we're basically eating into the principle of the earth and, uh, yeah. it's, and we've got to turn that around. And again, consumption is not reducing, whether through technology or through voluntary uh, action. So uh, we have to also look at that part of the equation of population. In in the film and the clips that you sent me, I found it interesting that there's a section of it that looks at just the the water scarcity issue in a place like Kansas. Yeah. And I think there's there's probably a belief, and it's obviously it seems like it's incorrect that 
the amount of resources that we have here in the United States, we're fine. There's no issue. You know, why are we concerned about this? Yet, when you see this firsthand with farmers having to worry about water in a place like Kansas, it drives yeah. it home a little bit harder about where the where the problems really lie. Yeah, it's a, it's a real problem. We've got a lot of scarcity, not just in water in this country, but you know, non renewable resources, all kinds of metals and minerals that we import from other countries. And yeah. you know, as those resources become less available, just to due to trying to extract them at a cost that's not more expensive than what it is to pull them out of the ground, uh, there's going to be more conflict. And uh, so, you know, our feeling, and Travis feels this way as, as well as I do, I, I won't speak for him, but, I, you know, we, we're, we're looking at saying, okay, well, if we've got to live within our means, let's really measure this and figure out where, what, what is a consumption that everyone's happy with that, you know, I, I don't think people should be greedy, but I do sure. think, you know, uh, I, you know, if you look at the average uh, GDP across the country, it's $15,000 per person across the world, excuse me. And uh, where we need to be from what economists are saying is we need to be about $7,500 per person yeah. in order to basically give uh, you know, uh, diversity and, and abundance of, of you know, uh, other life to flourish. So, you know, do I want to live on $7,500 a year? Probably not. Right, right. But, you know, so are we going to be able to get that down to those numbers across the world, or do we also have to look again at our numbers as a, as a, as a human race? Travis? Yeah, I mean, one of the ways that I put this before, I had a conversation with the Bloomberg reporter this last year, and I said, you know, we've been given the option a lot during human development to give up our toys, right? This is something that we could have chosen to do. And if we did, we might not be having the same conversation with the same level of urgency. Um, but but it turns out people are just really bad at giving up their toys. And those of us who have toys, we really like them. We understand. Um, so... The, the problem is we're going to have to address everything at once. The situation is really bad. Like Terry said, we're in overshoot. Um, we, we consume about one and a half Earth's resources per year. Um, and so we're going to have to do a lot of rectifying the situation. But having fewer people would definitely help us uh, to reduce our consumption without reducing it to a level that people are really just not comfortable with. So it's really about attacking all of the, the variables at the same time, reducing consumption, but also reducing the number of people doing the consumption. And, and just the awareness, I would think, of the people that are on the planet right now, Travis, of, uh, of what is happening, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I say to folks a lot, right, is, you know, I start off when I give talks or I give interviews that, you know, I often say, look, I'm a father and I'm not someone in, you know, a generation that had a kid or kids before I knew this was a problem. I had a child after doing 10 years of research on this subject. Yeah. And so I, I understand the values at stake. You know, my partner and I had a very long multi-year conversation <laughs> about whether we got to do this. Uh, and we decided that we do get to do it. We probably only get to do it once in our very contextual, uh, very specific situation, um, because our child will be a very expensive child in 21st century America. Um, but what we were able to do is we were able to do it. We were able to make this decision reflectively because we had a full awareness. And so my daughter is the center of my world, but I also understand the cost that she's imposing on the world. And so I owe something back, right? I'll spend the rest of my life trying to, to make up for the fact that I got this incredible good for myself. 
You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We're talking about the uh, upcoming documentary, Eight Billion Angels. Terry Spar is the executive producer of the film. Travis Reeder, who is uh, part of the film, interviewed in it, is a bioethicist at Johns Hopkins University. They join me uh, to dis- discuss the film. Uh, from the film perspective, Terry, uh, time frame, when are you hoping to have this film out? When can people start to expect to see it in in, uh, in theaters? Uh, we are uh, hoping and shooting for towards the end of the summer, 2018, this coming summer. And then hopefully then you'll be able to put it out in a variety of different locations? Yeah, uh, not sure exactly how, but it depends on the on the reception of it. But we're, it's a feature-length documentary, and uh, we'll probably enter it in a bunch of film festivals. And then uh, from there, uh, uh, look at distribution either nationally and or internationally. It, it, it is interesting, though, to me that that we have a variety of these conversations about uh, about these, all these different topics. Yet, for some reason, Travis, uh, we we see people want to make change. We see people making change. How much impact, though, is the change that is being made having right now? And are it seems like we're not doing enough. But are we at least going down the right path in your mind? I think we're at the very early stages of going down the right path, and. And if that sounds optimistic, it probably shouldn't because the very early stages of going down the right path should have happened 20 years ago. Right. right? But, um, you know, things that are not nearly good enough, like the Paris Climate Accords to tackle one piece of our consumption problem, not nearly a good enough pact. And, of course, the U.S. Uh, has now planned to pull out of it. But it's it's momentum in the right direction. It's, you know, a statement that 194 countries of the world take it this problem seriously. And the actual overpopulation piece, you know, I said there are all these governments who are actually reversing their natalist policies, trying to encourage large families. But there is a, a, a something like a movement now, which hadn't happened in a few decades, where young people are looking around and saying, my having a child has a serious impact on the earth. Um, I'm a little bit unclear about where we're heading uh, in terms of our environment. And so I'm scared about bringing a new person into this. And they're having a very careful, very respectful, but reflective conversation. That gives me hope. You know, I teach this material at Johns Hopkins. I taught it at Georgetown before. I've had the privilege to interact with lots of really smart, active, you know, 20-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, and they take this question really seriously, and they wrestle with it, and they come up with very nuanced responses. And that, that gives me some hope at the direction we're going. And, and I just looked at the, the Twitter feed, Terry, of, of the film, and one of the interesting things that you have posted on, on the Twitter feed is a comment from uh, California Governor Jerry Brown, and, and one of the things that he said is, we need to live lean and lightly on the planet. So, you know, do all politicians have that mindset? No, but it's a good thing that at least some of them have, and we can move this process down the down the path. Right. Yeah. And I think the the challenge again, Dan, is that uh, you know everyone wants uh, you know uh, food, water, shelter, you know reliable electricity, better transportation, and and many other goods and services that uh, as our incomes improve, and, and China is a good example. For the past thirty years, they've seen you know a, a significant increase in their wealth. And uh, they become the number one consumer of energy and foodstuffs and everything. So, it, it is very difficult to to pull down the or, or to take your pet take. It's very difficult to pull down your um, uh, reduce your consumption. You know, take your your foot off the gas pedal from consumption without. Uh, you know, looking at, uh, again, the numbers of people that we have. And again, the film will be out hopefully late summer 2018. Yes, sir. And people that would like to find out more can follow the website at? Uh, www8, and that's the number, 8billionangels.org. 
Great uh, seeing you, my friend. You bet. Thank you. Travis, thank you as well. Greatly appreciate your time today. Not at all. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. And again, the film uh, coming out later next summer, Eight Billion Angels is the name of it. Terry Spar, executive producer, Travis Reeder, bioethicist at Johns Hopkins University. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.